Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, listeners. I'm your hostess, Evangelist Wanda Clay, sharing God's sacred words with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you do. And though our best isn't good enough, we come asking for forgiveness. You are like none other higher than the highest. So I ask that you fix that that makes fiction everywhere for everybody. Because you already know our needs, fix them, Lord Jesus. And move in me, Lord, to help others understand your word on this talk show. I pray that you continue its growth and bless Block Talk Radio financially and spiritually. Lord God, Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of what you want us to know. And I pray for those who seek your word to find you, Heavenly Father. Bless and watch over them in Jesus' name. Let them and everyone everywhere learn to depend on you. And those who have found you, strengthen us, Lord. Leading God is not into temptation, but help us to just walk away. Those, Lord, who are struggling and those not struggling, because we need a blessing from you, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, help us to love and pray for ourselves and others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Before I start, Let me again thank God for guiding me, and I pray for everyone's understanding of his words. And as always, I thank Minister Joel Lewis and Granny's Place for giving me this opportunity. I'm here three Fridays a month. It's written 1ST. You're welcome to join our group 24 hours with questions, answers, comments, recipes, and much more. Now, due to time on Blog Talk Radio, I will give you the outline of each chapter, and I will comment on some verses. Now, let us get into our lesson. Ephesians chapter 3. This chapter consists of two parts. One of the accounts which Paul gave the Ephesians concerning himself as he was appointed by God to be the apostle of the Gentiles, verses 1 through 13. Two, of his devote and affectionate prayer to God for the Ephesians in verses 14 through 21. In chapter 3, Paul speaks of his stewardship where he intermixes instructions and counsels and his intercessions and prayers to God. And he says that if God hadn't cooperated with them and rendered them valid, his instructions and teachings would have been useless and vain. And he says that ministers should pray that the divine spirit be with their ministering care and be crowned with success. And he says that this should be an example that all ministers of Christ, which says, Since you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are united to Christ and admitted into communion with his church, he writes, I, Paul, who am the prisoner of Jesus Christ, 
pray that those who have received grace and favor from God stay prayed up, that they may improve and advance and continue to act as reborn Christians. And as I, Paul, a prisoner, who interceded in prayer to God on behalf of you, the Ephesians, you should also learn to pray for one another to God. And in verse 1, he acquaints them with the tribulations and suffering which he experienced in his by suffering much on their account. And he pleads with them not to be discouraged and to become weak because of his suffering in verse 13. And to prevent this, Paul told the Ephesians that God not only sent his apostles to preach the gospel to them, but also to suffer for them. And he again asserts his authority by saying, he was made a minister according to the gift of grace by which God gave him. He didn't make himself one. And he says, what God calls men to do, he prepares them to do with an almighty divine power through the gift of divine grace by a special revelation that he made unto him that he was employed in this office to preach to the Gentiles and all men the unsearchable riches of Christ. And now in verse 8, notice how humbly he speaks of himself and how highly he speaks of Jesus Christ by saying, I am less than the least of all saints. Even though Paul was the chief of the apostles, he says this because of him having been formerly a persecutor of the followers of Christ. I can recall a minister on a radio talk show who would give himself credit for that that God blesses. People would call in for prayer with numerous requests. When they called back in and were testifying of their answered prayers, the minister was asked them about three times, who blessed you with this? And they would say, you did, minister. And he would ask them again, who blessed you with this? And he took all God's credit. Number one, he didn't have a bank. He couldn't pay several people $140,000 home. Nor did he have the power of healing. Nor could he give thousands of dollars to several or buy all of them new expensive cars. No. Truly, he was not a man of God. And this is the kind of preaching Paul didn't want the Ephesians to fall for then nor us now. Because those who God advances to honorable employment, he humbles and makes low in their own eyes. So he flips the script now, and he speaks on the mystery that was revealed and of its revelation. This mystery of Christ that was revealed by Christ and relates very much to him was the conversion of the Gentile world to the faith of Christ. And we ought to bless God for it in verses 3 through 5, also Acts 26 and 16 through 18, and Galatians 1 and 12. John 1 and 3 says, All 
things were made by God, and without him nothing was made. And he who saves the Gentiles as well as the Jews is the creator of both of them. And we may conclude that he's able to perform the work of their redemption, being that he was able to accomplish the great work of creation. And Paul goes on to tell them in verse 5 that before Christ, this mystery wasn't made known to the Son of Man, but is now revealed to his holy, immediately inspired, and taught by the Spirit. And verse 6, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible says that Gentiles should be joint heirs with the believing Jews of the heavenly inheritance. And Paul tells them the great truth revealed to the apostles is that God would call the Gentiles to salvation by faith in Christ without the works of the law. Verse 12 says, we may come with humble boldness to hear from God, knowing that the terror of the curse is gone, and we may have access with confidence to speak to God, knowing that we have such a meditator between God and us and such an advocate with the Father. In verses 14 through 21, we now come to the second part of this chapter, which contains Paul's devote and affectionate prayers to God for his beloved Ephesians. And Paul states that when we draw near to God, we should express our reverence in our hearts in the most suitable and becoming behavior and gesture. Here in verse 15, it says, the whole family in heaven and earth are called by his name. The Jews boast of Abraham as their father, but now both makes one family, one household, and from them, him, they are called Christians, acknowledging their independence and relationship to Christ. And again, the apostle flips the script, and he mentions five spiritual blessings. <clears throat> Both for ourselves. Number one, the apostle prays that the Spirit of God and the inner man strengthens our soul, faith, and other graces to serve God and to do our duty and to preserve our Christian course with vigor and cheerfulness. Number two, that the indwelling of Christ be in their hearts. Where his Spirit dwells, there he dwells. And he dwells in the heart by faith. And faith opens the door of the soul to receive Christ. Verse 17. Number three, that we maintain a constant God in our soul. This will be the evidence of the love of God to us. And in order to do this, he prays in number four, that the more intimate acquaintance that we have with Christ's love to us, the more our love will be drawn to him, that we may be able to comprehend with all things, verses 18 and 19. And number five, he prayed that they may be filled with all the fullness of God and be partakers of a divine nature and his fullness and a covenant of God with us. 
And the apostle closes the chapter, ology, in verse 20 and 21. And he says, it's proper to conclude our prayers with praises. And when we come to ask for grace from God, we ought to give glory to God, which our blessed Savior has taught us to do. The seat of God's praises is in the church. And God should and will be praised throughout all ages of the world without end. For he will ever have a church to praise him. And he will ever have his tribute of praise from his church. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. And we've gone through the three preceding chapters of Paul's epistles, which were Christian privileges designed to inform men in truth and doctrine of the gospel. The latter parts, chapter 4, 5, and 6, are practical, and they're designed for the direction of their lives and manners and what the Lord requires of us in receiving such privileges that are bestowed upon us. Paul says, the best way to understand the mysteries and partake of the privileges is to build up the practices of the duties prescribed for us. And he says that Christian faith and Christian practices befriend each other. In other words, they go together. In this chapter, chapter 4, we have exhortations to important duties. One that is more general in verse 1. Two, an exhortation to mutual love, unity, and concord with the proper means and motives to promote verses 2 through 16. And number three, Christian purity and holiness of life, which are both general exhortations in verses 17, 17 through 25 to the end. Now back to our verses. Verse 1 is a general exhortation to walk in our Christian profession. One of Christ's prisoners, Paul, who was now a prisoner in Rome, as he had mentioned earlier in chapter 3 and 1, shows that he's not ashamed of his bonds. And Paul says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, now comes with an earnest request that we who are called Christians should live like Christians, who are called to God's kingdom and glory. Therefore, we should walk as we are heirs of them. Verses 2 through 16, Paul says that love is the law of Christ's kingdom and that the means of unity is lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearing to one another in love with the unity of the Spirit of God. For he says there should be one heart, one body of preserve. Only through humility and meekness comes love that restores peace and keeps it, which all Christians are immediately subject to in verses 2 through 5. And he also says that pride and passion breaks the peace. Now Paul continues to write 
the Ephesians on the instructions of living a Christian life by flipping the script, and he begins to speak of faith. And he says, the gospel containing the doctrine of the Christian faith is the same grace of faith, faith in Christ, which all Christians are saved by one baptism by which we profess our faith by being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Verse 7 says, Because all ministers and all members of Christ, to whom Christ has given grace upon whom he has bestowed his gifts, ought to love one another. The gate Christ gave to the church at his ascension was the ministry of peace and reconciliation. The gift of the ministry is the fruit of Christ's ascension, and ministers have their various gifts, which are all given them by the Lord Jesus. The officers which Christ gave to his church were of two sorts. Extraordinary ones, advanced to a higher office in the church. Such were apostles, prophets, and evangelists, immediately called and furnished them with extraordinary gifts with the power of working miracles and delivering his truth. And they having been the witnesses of his miracles and doctrine, he sent them forth to spread the gospel, to plant and govern churches. The prophets seem to have wrote of the Old Testament and foretold things to come. The evangelists were ordained persons whom the apostles took for their companions and travels and sent them out to settle and establish such church. They were recalled. Second Timothy 1 and 6, Galatians 2 and 1. Acts 19 and 22, 2 Timothy 4 and 9. And then there were the ordinary ministers employed in a lower and narrow position as pastors and teachers. Some take these two names to signify one office, implying the duties of ruling and teaching belonging to it at the head of particular churches with design to guide, instruct, and feed them in the matter appointed by Christ. And they're frequently called bishops and elders. And the teachers were those who worked with also to preach the gospel and instruct the people by the way or exhortation. Paul says, we see here that it is Christ's prerogatives to appoint what officers and offices he pleased in his church. And how rich is the church that had at first such a variety of officers and has still such a variety of gifts. And he says, how kind is Christ to his church? How careful of it and of its edification. When he ascended, he left the gift of the Holy Ghost for the edifying of the body of Christ to build the church, which is God Christ's mystical body, by an increase of his graces 
and an addition of new members in verse 12. And he says that all are designed to prepare us for heaven and that we should never come to be the perfect man until we come to heaven in verse 13. And he says that God's children, as long as they are in the world, that they are growing in knowledge, love, faith, and all parts of the new man. That the more we grow in an acquaintance with Christ, the more we shall flourish in every grace. And he says that Christ is the head, and a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And in verses 17 through 32, the apostle said, Converted Gentiles must not live as unconverted Gentiles do. Though they live among them, they must not live like them because they are set in darkness, and they love it rather than light. And by their ignorance, because of their blindness, of the hardness of their heart, they are alienated from the light of God. Verse 20 says, those who have learned Christ are saved from the darkness and defilement which others lie under. And they are obligated to live in a better manner than those who have not learned Christianity. And it's not because God did make himself known to them by his works, but because they would not admit the instructions of the divine light. And he is in verse 24 by the new man is meant the new nature of man by a new principle regenerating grace and enabling a man to lead a new life of righteousness and holiness which Christianity requires created by God's almighty power whose workmanship is truly excellent and beautiful and he says Simple desires or deceitful lusts, they promise men happiness, but render them miserable. And here Paul flips the script again, and he writes concerning anger, and he says, If you've been provoked and have had your spirits bitterly resented before night, come and quiet your spirits. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Although anger is not simple, it can be, if not carefully watched and secretly suppressed. And he says, to be reconciled to the offender and let all be well again among you. And Paul goes on and flips the script again for a short minute. Stealing is the effect of idleness that men ought to be industrious and their labors should be charitable to those who are disabled for labor and that God must have his dues and the poor are his receivers. And he says, listen to this, God hates robbery for burnt offerings. Then Paul flips the script again. Well, we're warned against corrupt communication and he says, Filthy and unclean words are poisonous and effectual, and that it is the great duty of Christians to take care of their
that they don't offend with their lips, and that they improve discourse and converse as much as possible for the good of others in verse 29. And the script is flipped again, and he ends with giving us another caution against wrath and anger with further advice to be kind to one another in verses 31 and 32. And Paul says, those who are forgiven of God should be of a forgiving spirit and should forgive as God forgives. And Paul says, passions of bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking, and malice grieves this good spirit. And we must not do that which is contrary to his holy nature and his will. For it's a good reason why we should not grieve him. Because there's to be a day that the body is to be redeemed from the power of the grave at the resurrection day. And then God's people will be delivered from all the effects of sin, as well as all sin and misery, which they are not released till rescued out of the grave. And then they're full and complete Happiness commences. And the Bible says, all true believers are sealed to that day. This ends our Bible study. I pray God's word has shed some light on some things for you. i see you next time, right here at the same time. And don't forget to visit us on Facebook at Peace Keep God First. Oh, and don't forget to check in with God from time to time, 24 hours. It's free. May God bless you and keep you until we meet again. Bye.